originally, well, I lived in New Jersey till I was 11. Yeah. And in the summer of 1979, we moved to New Orleans. So I kind of consider myself from, from New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> you know the fucking deal. Yeah. Welcome to LHG 1904 show. Y'all motherfuckers ain't ready for today's guest. Let's fucking go. We're in the shop. We're still working. And we got motherfucking LFGP in the motherfucking building. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Fucking A. I'm a little nervous. Uh, oh, he no. Started, hey, he, yeah. started sh- he started shaking once. once <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck, it's on. Oh, fuck. There goes the music. Hey, we're fucking, we're three fucking normal jabronis. You know what I mean? Working hard. That's fucking. Yeah, what's your, what's your going, what are you going out to? You already know? Uh, ghosts along the Mississippi. <laughs> Nailed it. So you're from Louisiana. I consider myself from New Orleans, yes. So that's a like a very unique accent because you either have the fucking Cajun going, but you also sound like you're kind of from New York too. Well, I lived in New Jersey till I was 11, and in the summer of 79, we moved to New Orleans. Summer of 79. Yep. Ten years after Springsteen's summer. What a great year. <laughs> On the eve of the crack epidemic. <laughs> what a time to be alive. And uh, he was like my favorite player at the time, but Thurman Munson died while we were on the road in a plane crash. It was kind of trippy. Fuck, Thurman Munson played for the Jets? No, he played for uh, catcher for the Yankees. Oh, shit. See, I don't know baseball that well. Yeah. I know more about football, but clearly not enough. Don't. I, ain't got no- I ain't got nothing. <laughs> I was about to say, you're a Jets fan. That's yeah, not Hudson. baseball, bro. I know. You're also a Yankees fan. Yeah. Thurman Hudson, he's like, wasn't that guy on the Adams family? <laughs> <laughs> Thurman Munson on the Adams family, right? Plus, I'm old. I'm old. You're yeah. old? How old are you? I'm 55. God damn. <laughs> Dang, you old as hell. <laughs> no, it's not that old. Why are y'all do- Look, I'm getting closer and closer to 55 every day, and I'm just trying to play down. It's not old. It's not old. We're bro, you're bro, just getting started. You're the youngest out of the three of us, dude. Yeah, which means I'm that much closer to death the more I hang out with y'all. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> On a grand scale. <laughs> On a grand scale. How much older are you, are you than me, Dustin? Or, or who's old? You're older or you're younger than Dustin? Yeah, I'm younger than Dustin. I'm How old are you? You're 37? Damn. Yeah. And I'll Dustin? Be, I'll be 41 in February. God damn! Damn. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Dustin is fucking... Sheesh. Dustin's almost 10 years... Is 10 years older than me. Holy shit. Yeah. And then you're fucking seven years older than me. Yeah. Damn, I am young. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck! You ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing to worry about. <laughs> so, oh wow! I I just caught that. I just caught the fucking back end of that. Wow! You fucking brace. You know the deal. Listen, my mic's about to fall off. I'm glad you're 42. It. Shit. Yeah. So first 11 years in New Jersey, whereabouts? Bergen County. Yeah, Bergen County, Englewood, like nice. right across from the Bronx. So my dad was from the Bronx and. My mom was from Demarest, New Jersey, and when he had kids, she was like, get us out of the city. So that was where we went. Well, it really, it, it started popping off back then, I think. Uh, I mean, Well, being in New Jersey, like, I vividly remember the summer of Sam. I definitely remember right, that. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. It was scary. Like, my cousins were older, and the girls were, like, watching themselves at night and right. stuff. 
I mean, I vividly remember the 44 caliber killer. It wasn't Son of Sam at all. It was all 44 caliber killer. Yeah, yeah. That's what they called him before he was Son of Sam. Yep. And wasn't that, that's the serial killer that his dog was the devil and talking to him? Yes. And he was shooting people with a 44 Magnum at like close range and randomly. Randomly. Oh. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I definitely remember it as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Bergen well, County. I mean, I mean, like it, it was, it was scary because like the communities that he was hitting haven't seen that kind of violence. You know what I'm saying? Like where where he was hitting wasn't wasn't like they weren't used to that kind of violence. Like in Brooklyn, had he done some shit like that, it would have been like ah, oh, it's just another motherfucker, you know. But like the communities that he was hitting was like they never seen that type of brutality. Like you know what I'm saying? And uh, plus, like he took it to a whole another level. Like that shit was wild. Yeah, I just, I was little, so it was just kind right, of right. like paranoia in the community. Right, right. And you're just running around like, I just want to play with my fucking toys, dog. Like, let me live. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I had a typical, like, childhood for sure. I mean, both my parents were pretty much working. We were, like, typical middle class Irish family. Uh, my grandma lived with us. I had three brothers. So there was seven of us total in the house. Straight gang. Yeah, it was like crowded. Catholic family? Yeah, Catholic, oh, Irish God. Catholic family. And we'd Straight go gang. back to the Bronx for holidays, and my dad's sister was there, and she had six kids. But her husband was gone, but my other grandmother lived with her. What part of the Bronx? Um, Right sort of like Marble Hill, Hill area, 232nd and Broadway kind of area. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty far north in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Near Riverdale, but not quite. yeah. Sort of off Broadway. That's where that's where we used to dump the cars at. Sort of like near, <laughs> like maybe five six, uh, not too far from Van Cortland Park. That. Right, because we lived off. We used to stay off of Grand Concourse. You remember that? You know, Grand Concourse stood off of uh, Fordham Road. Stood off yes, of Burnside. Fordham Road. Yeah, we stood off of Burnside. Um, uh, my uncles were really really well known over in uh, Crescent Hills, and all that, and Monroe Street, all that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was like, you know, Little League soccer, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we left, and I was going into seventh grade. Mm. But uh, What's Bergen, Bergen County? Because that's where Joey Diaz is from. Joey Coco Diaz is from Bergen County, too. Mm-hmm. And that dude lived in fucking gnarly life. Yeah, I mean, it's different now, for sure, but it's just a major suburb of the Bronx in New York still. So... Checks out. Yeah, definitely where you want to dump your cars at. Right up <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> just saying. You ever if you out there in New York, just dump your dump your stolen car and out there. Yeah. Damn. This guy's You guys smelling that freebie we're getting? Yeah, this yeah. is my this is my life. <laughs> By the way, your shirt, Dustin, got red ink all over the back of it. <laughs> Dustin's renaming all the screen printing equipment. Names it, renames it all. I love it. A fucking New Orleans. Yeah. So seventh grade. That's a fucking turning point in your life. It was. It was really strange. I didn't want to go. I remember crying on the back porch, telling my dad, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go." And he was like, "I make this much money, Pete, and there's seven of us. When we go down there. I'm gonna make that much money." And I knew what money was, and I understood immediately that we're leaving. Yeah, And we went from, like, middle class to almost, like, rich. Not by, like, California standards rich, but by New Orleans standards. You yeah. Know, they would say you had plenty of money or whatever, you know. Yeah. We pretty rich. I mean, rich, pretty much. Yeah. So, Want for nothing. 
Right. And, yeah. he, you know, he was sick of it. You know, all of us. I mean, he worked all the time. He left every morning to go into the city, put on his wingtips and drive in. And my mom would work occasional jobs, too. I think she was volunteering. I was little. I didn't really know that much. You weren't paying attention to yeah, it either. Yeah, exactly. I was, like, living my life. Yeah. Something great, though. Like, your body's going through changes. And then I had the three, I had three older brothers. We were all born, boom, 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 64, 65, 66, 67. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we were, like, fighting all the time and stuff. And you're the baby. And I was the baby. So of I got all my, of them? Out of all of them. Oh, fuck. I got my ass kicked, like, every day by somebody. <laughs> by somebody. By somebody, yeah. That's, uh, that, that's how it goes. Yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad's side of the family, Irish Catholic family from Massachusetts, and, or, well, they lived in Philadelphia, and then they grew up kind of the same way you did. When he was, like, in seventh grade, they moved to Massachusetts to Cape Cod. That and sucks. Yeah, it does. But uh, same thing. They grew up in the row houses in Philadelphia, and he is – there's three – or two above him and two below him. So he's the middle of five, and his brothers, they used to just kick the shit out of each other. Hey, is that why you like the Eagles? Yeah. Because you're from Philly? No. I'm, I was born in Buffalo, raised in Virginia, and then back and forth to Connecticut – and so why aren't you a Bills fan? Because I, w- I lived there for six months. I was raised. My Half of my family is, well, I, all of them except for Chris, rest in peace, are fucking Eagles fans. And then my Uncle Chris was a fucking Patriots fan. Wow. Yeah. But he liked the Pats oh when God. nobody liked the fucking Pats. Yeah. 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 They were trash. Yeah. When they when were they had junk. When they had Drew Bledsoe, right? No, right before that. Oh, shit. Yeah. But I was born in Buffalo during the four seasons that they went to the fucking Super Bowl and lost. I was born in the second Uh-oh. year. 90s. Yeah. Early 90s. I was born in 90. Yeah, 90 through 94. Yep. Damn. The Jim Kelly choke years, basically. Yeah. They blew the first one. That was the only one they could have won. That field goal was missed. In the snow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he blew the kick. That guy was still. I feel like that's why they stopped doing it in fucking war- whoever, like, they only do it in fucking, like, nice Arizona. Places nice now. places now. Yeah. It used to be in San Diego, right? You yeah. guys had a couple Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Anyways, I digress. Take us down to New Orleans. What's that like? So it was immediately crazy hot. We got down there in the summer. Mm-hmm. Our, like, air conditioner in our Grand Torino station wagon died on the way. Nice. So we were driving, you know. Twin 65, windows oh, down. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so hot. And then... Saw like palmetto bugs, the giant cockroaches flying Sick. in the air. You know, it was like shocking, kind of. It's like a culture shock, huh? It was. It was totally. I went to like a mainly African American public school uh-huh. in New Jersey, which was a good school. I mean, right, it was right. a really good school to an all like ninety eight percent white Catholic school. Really? Because the public school systems oh. in New Orleans were not well funded by by anything mm-hmm. and they practice social promotion where social know, promotion wherever like regardless if you can pass your test they keep you going they oh like, wow they graduate you and graduate you and just because, to keep their numbers up to keep what little funding they get keep people moving out of the school system so they don't have like a 20 year old senior or something you know Fuck. Wow. yeah like i knew 13 year old kids that couldn't read comic books like Fuck. Yes. yeah yeah Actually, and uh, that's when 
we first moved there that summer i tried riding an xl70 for the first time nice yeah, a kid in our neighborhood this guy george had a xl70 that he was driving around and that's the first bike i ever rode that's a yamaha right no it's a honda honda yeah mm, white and blue plastics no nah, it was like kind of like a street looking bike I'm trying i'm I trying th- out i think here. it was yellow and black i forget what it was it was kind of, i think it was kind of yellow and black but it was an xl70 i remember that for sure and they're gonna be popping the clutch wheelie and trying to hang on and i wasn't shifting very well but it was the first motorcycle i ever rode that's for sure it was definitely a motorcycle like it was cool i thought it was so cool until my mom saw me that was my ass. That know. was not cool. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I got, like, punished forever. <laughs> no helmet either, I'm sure. Yeah, no helmets, no nothing. Pete's, Pete's still punished? I, 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 think, I think that bike was hot, man, tell you the truth. Those guys were, like, pretty shady. <laughs> yeah. So, and how old were you when you first rode this bike? 11. 11? Yeah, I was 11. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So that was the first time. And then I didn't ride another bike till I was probably 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, my parents were anti-motorcycle for sure. Uh, As are most. Yeah. And um, my mom was just like, you know what? Just don't kill anybody and don't kill yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because like like in New York, a big thing was um, uh, mountain bikes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing when we were kids and shit like that. See, when I was a little off. kid, they had like. They didn't, I don't even know what you call them, just bicycles. And then the first, like, Huffy came out, and I was already, like, 12 yeah. or something. And <laughs> skateboarding was just starting to be a thing. Right. Like, they didn't even have polyurethane wheels. And then when the, like, urethane wheels came out, it was, like, huge difference. They were riding on clay wheels. It was terrible. My mother had a, a clay wheel skateboard that I rode. And it had, like, literally ball bearings, and you could yep. see the uh, yeah. I balls never, rolling around. i never heard of that shit. Clay wheels on a, on a oh, skateboard? It, it looks like brick. Yeah. It's like rolling bricks. That's sad. Yeah. And they had, like, slalom boards. So if you had a, just, like, a downhill to school or something, I had a, a slalom board that you could just drive downhill. I didn't try doing anything. It was just to make the trip easier and then carry it home. Yeah. Until somebody, like, ran it over. But, yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah, fucking pricks. <laughs> Some big fat ugly guy and what do you call it? An AMC pacer. Oh my god, the AMC. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like wiped out, fell, it's scooted out into the road. Nick's car just runs it over. This huge fat guy with no shirt and just jeans and no shoes comes walking up screaming at me. It was like the funniest thing. I was terrified. Mm. But it was funny in a way. Now that I look back on it, he's screaming at me. He almost kills me and Runs over my sp- skateboard, which is wood. Like, it's not fiberglass. It just snapped in half. <laughs> <laughs> the end of that. Fucking A. So what is, uh, what is your teenage years like? Well, even before we left for New Orleans, my older brother was starting to hang out with kind of like the wrong crew. And uh, I tried smoking pot already in oh, sixth shit. grade. So, yeah, that was the first time I tried smoking. And I only smoked a little bit, and I didn't feel nothing or anything. So I thought, I was like, ah, oh, this is nothing. So then we moved to New Orleans, and alcohol was pretty prevalent. So even in 7th and 8th grade, I had friends that were drinking. And, I mean, not like, you know, sneaking booze. Like, some of their parents let them drink. But, I mean, we were going to funnel parties already. Like, I would go to friends houses and they would break out funnels and we'd be drinking you know funnels of miller and stuff and we're like what, like beer bongs yes oh nice yeah so and then another thing that 
was big was Rush, amyl nitrate kind of stuff. It's like a little bottle of, they called it Rush. And it was amyl nitrate inside, and you just snorted it, and it would just give you a sick head rush. It probably just killed thousands of brain cells all at once. You're huffing it? No, you just snorted it kind of. They sold it at record shops and stuff, and it was just there. And you, you had it, and you could buy it for like 12 bucks a bottle or something, and they sold it to anybody. And you just inhaled it or snorted it. And was it, it a liquid or a powder? It was like, it was a liquid, but it would be airborne. Like, it was a liquid in the bottle, but when you breathed it in, it was just aerosol. Bro, were you doing poppers? I don't know. No. <laughs> this motherfucker. It was poppers. Poppers is a prevalent in the gay community. It thins your blood out. So you can get you in a rush. This oh, motherfucker. Man. I tell you what they do in New Orleans. It is crazy. <laughs> these these dudes would dip their joints in formaldehyde. Love boat. And call them clickers. Oh, my God. It was like PCP to them. They were crazy. Mm. But uh, mainly started drinking at like 13 with friends. And uh, I started hanging out with a couple of guys. One guy had a car, which was strange because by the time we were like 15, 14, when I was about 14, so I guess it was eighth grade, my friend Neil had a car. So then we was like kind of on, we were driving mm. and then we mainly went up to the river view of the levee and hung out at night and just drank, you know, quartz and forties, like forties weren't really out. They started to come out, but it was mainly like quartz and we'd smoke and party and mainly just pot. And what, what year are we in now? It's about 1981 now. 81. Oh, wow. yeah. Hey, that's the year the old dust nuts was born. So yeah, so it's I'm like hey, he he was smoking weed when you were uh, coming off the swim team and into real life, coming <laughs> off the swim team. <laughs> I knew that because we're connected. <laughs> so, I mean, it was fun. I mean, I was having a good time. I was, uh, you know, I started playing guitar for the first time because my oldest brother, like, when we were little, I didn't realize it, but he was beating the shit out of us, and uh, they mm. tried anything to get him to stop beating the shit out of us. Like, they got him a drum set, they got him a guitar, like, anything musically, they were trying to get him to have a... Outlet. Yeah. Because he was the oldest, and, like, when my o older brother showed up, he got the worst of it, because he was like, you know, what are you doing here? This is my Christmas, you know, sort of thing. Mm. So there was some real jealousy there. And uh, I didn't realize it because I was so little. But So the oldest and the second oldest. Yeah, would go at it a lot more because I was so little. And by the time I realized anything, they were all beating the shit out of me. But, but he had an acoustic guitar that was in the house and left. And I picked it up. And I had played trumpet in uh, elementary school. So I started trying to learn how to play guitar. And I took one of his, it was a Zeppelin songbook, which was complete at the time that meant it went to Houses of the Holy. So it had one through five in it. Wow. And then uh, a neighbor of mine I started hanging out with. He was two years older than me, and uh, he was left-handed, and he played, and he smoked a lot. So he kind of <laughs> came. He was sort of like my uh, – we started hanging, and he could get weed, and we started hanging and playing, and he played lefty, and I played righty. So it was like he would show me something and then be, like, looking in the mirror. So it was kind of cool. Wow. And then uh, – and. Things were going fine. I mean, I was playing a lot. I never had any problems with grades. I was always doing that. And then uh, I played football in eighth, ninth, eighth through twelfth grade. I played ball, and uh, it was all going really good. Like, and <laughs> then in like 1983, 
my my brother got killed in a car accident. So oh, wow. which brother? My oldest brother. He was playing college football already and uh he was doing really well. Everything was like and he was I was already drinking with him and partying with him and and the college team. Like I was hanging with them. Oh, so he like found his outlet. Yeah. He, he found finally, football. He, he found football found in high school and right, he right. was good and he mm. loved it. And like if I, I those were the days when taunting was like legal. Like <laughs> he would taunt shit out of people and get in people's heads and just he, it was great, and I loved going to those games. Right, right. And I thought, you know, him, he was a senior when I was a freshman. I thought we would get to the next level, and I'd play ball on that team with him. You know, that was my dream, sort of. And uh, it was uh, – we were at my spring football game. Me and my older brother were playing football, and this time my uh, oldest – who's my oldest now, brother, was playing basketball. So – the senior was playing basketball, and then the junior, my older brother, and me were playing football. And we were playing our spring game in Port Sulphur, Louisiana, which is like out in the fucking boondocks, like <laughs> the country, country lake. And uh, we left, and I had a really good game. I was having so much fun. And What position did you play? I played, at that time, I was playing defensive end. Oh, shit. So I was playing defensive end. Your brother? And, 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 my older brother was a safety. Was the free safety. Well, do you do you care if we call him other names? No. So Andy was the free safety. My older brother Paul was playing basketball, and Marty was in college, and he was playing outside linebacker. In college. Okay. Shit. So he was about. He wasn't big. He was like five eleven. I just like the hip month. One ninety. Yeah. He was like five eleven, <laughs> one ninety in high school, and then from yeah. college. He got down to like 172 because they wanted him running at four six or you know it became oh, a wow. speed issue you know you know I could never get that fast in my time but uh so we were leaving my game and we came across the uh, the truck they were in like demolished wrecked on the highway and uh that's when everything kind of like everything that had become recreational about drinking and uh and pot became uh, an escape like a real escape. I mean, I was pretty much a mess for for a long time. So the, immediately the next few years, I was drunk, like completely drunk, um, stoned all the time, drunk. I continued to play football, though, and I really dove into guitar work at that point. Mm. And uh, you know what's that song, Shooting Star? I was eating Salmonex and drinking Evan Williams and playing guitar till I would pass out and stuff like that. And my parents were really, it's not that they weren't there or not, but they were just so busy. My dad had a really high, um, I don't know how to put it, a really good, good high job. And my mom was supporting him and they were busy like all the time. I mean, they were so busy. So I was kind of like on my own. Um, uh, yeah, he was at a he was a head of a major like business in New Orleans. So but he he lost his son. You know what I'm saying? Like he he lost his son. So he he obviously didn't know how to like deal with it. So he just like staying involved in work probably was like and uh, an escape type shit. I tell you, the look on his face during those days right. was the hardest thing. I think was looking at him and seeing that expression of loss. Like yeah. Because he was so strong, you know, and then my older brother was so strong, and then it was just like, and then I was angry. I was just so mad all the time that I would go out and I would get drunk, and if anybody was being an asshole, I would fight them. 
Mm. And I, I lost a ton of fights, believe me. I'm not <laughs> saying like I was out there kicking people's asses. No, I was mainly stumbling drunk and getting my ass kicked by a few people at once sometimes. Mm. And all I cared about is if they were being an asshole and I fucking smashed their eye or their nose or something, that's all I wanted, you know. I didn't care if I lost. I was probably looking to get hurt, you know. Oh, yeah. I can relate to that heavily. Yeah, just no, want to fucking just, feel something. I was just listening in. I'm like, yeah, bing bong. Your brother passes away. You have no outlet, you know, no counseling, you know, your, your family is kind of doing their own thing. And so your first thing you're going to do is pick up the alcohol, pick up alcohol, get into a fight. Dude, I can so relate to when my parents got divorced is the same way. I was a skinny guy, just like I am now, but like skinny bone. I know I was about to say, I was like a really, really skinny kid. And, um, I would be, well, I would be picked on or but I would always fight back, you know what I mean? So, like, uh, there were times, especially, like, when my parents got divorced, it was, like, the worst time, man. Like, they had to put me in special ed- education, you know what I mean? Because I was just a fucking maniac inside the class. I would fight a teacher. didn't even matter. I was just out of wow. my mind. But so I can, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, I didn't have somebody pass away, but it's the same traumatic things that happen to you, especially when you're young. You just, you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So that was like 1983, and then I was hanging with my closest friends with this guy Clark Smith and my buddy Brian Pfeiffer and uh, this kid Patrick Kemp. And, uh, Pat Kemp was like, he's a cleft lip guy. Like, so the main guys we were kind of hanging out, we all went up to the river, and we were like the river rats were these older cats that we later became friends with. They were kind of like the old established heads or whatever you want to call them. But right, right. But we eventually befriended them and all. But uh, we were, like, drinking one day, and Clark was like, damn, his older brother was Whitney. And he's like, I don't know what I'd do if Whitney died. And then we're at spring break in Destin, Florida, and Whitney gets up at 7 o'clock in the morning to walk to 7-Eleven and get cigarettes, and he gets hit by a drunk driver and killed. Jesus so then we're at, a, we're at another funeral. And then, like, less than two months later, Pat Kemp, had bought and i don't know if it's the same bike but bought an xl70 and was running from the levy board police up on the levy and it was a bright ass day and they had these two pylon like concrete and metal pylons with a cable strung between them and he didn't see the cable and the thing basically like cut his head off like oh my god yeah like i wasn't there that day thank god like i didn't see this our friend andrew was there and like found him and like ran to him and i mean i'm so glad i wasn't there but it was just like in six months like three people were just dead and it was i was so angry like i was like fuck god fuck everybody you know all these people telling you that and my dad later told me in life, he asked people if he thought that we should go to a grief counselor, and he was very upset that he didn't. But some people told him that just time was going to sort it out regardless of what he did. But he told me in retrospect, he really wished. Yeah, he the did. 70s, baby. Yeah. Bootstrap <laughs> it. Was, you know it, was, I mean? it was the early se- early yeah. 80s. Er- yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, 80s, even then. It's like, yeah. hey, buck up there, buddy. Yeah, they were Shit, just like. Life happens. That's, they were kind of like, yeah. It was like he, he regretted that, he told me one day. And uh, so now I'm like 15 and I'm partying hard and and I was just kind of a wreck and the guitar was a real outlet and football was a real outlet and I kept my grades up through all this and uh, 
things were going okay, I guess, in my mind. I was just kind of a mess. And You're just on autopilot? Yeah, right. I was. And then I graduated high school. I had a couple of letters for football. And uh, I was still dreaming of playing with my brother's team at the time because I knew a couple of the guys, like, still. Like, I didn't hang with him or nothing anymore since he was dead. But uh, I still knew a couple of the guys on the team. Like, his funeral was just insane. Like, those guys were his pallbearers. And it was just huge to do because my dad had a position that was just, like, political. So that was the other thing. Like, every time I got introduced, I got introduced as this is his son. It was like not Pete or not Pete or Kelly. It was like this is some such and such's son, Eamon Kelly's son or whatever. And uh, it just... I wanted to be me. I didn't want to be his son. And then I was angry. Like, I felt like this whole move was the reason he died. Like, I blamed it all on everything. I was just blaming people for shit that wasn't nobody's fault. And uh, just, you know, that victim mentality? Yeah. Like, I had that for sure. And then I was drunk all the time, and I was just angry all the time. And uh, I started playing music. In bands now, at about 18, I graduated. The drinking age is 18 still in New Orleans at this time. It's the only state in the union where the drinking age is 18. So now I had been going in bars since I was 15. They really were not very strict about it. Like, <laughs> like if you were, the joke was if you're old enough to get the change off the bar, you can drink. I mean, I, rare, I rarely got thrown out of bars. Like, rarely. I was 16. Like, one night... I think between junior and senior year, my friend Clark Smith, the one who Whitney died, uh, we were, we, I drank a pint of old granddad on the way, oh. way to the bar. And then in the parking lot, we were shooting 151. Ugh. And then I don't know what happened with Clark, but this monster dude just starts shoving him and shoving him. And I'm fucking hammered, and I didn't like the look of it. So I went and shoved him, the big guy, and then I woke up with no teeth. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know if the ground knocked him out. That's what I tell people. I don't know really what happened, but these my front grill is all fake. <laughs> and one of those, you know, one of those out, nights out fighting. And then one day I woke up, and I was all kind of beat up. My dad was like... What happened to you? I was like, I got into another fight. He's like, why are you fighting? I was like, because they were being assholes. And he's like, you know, Pete, you go fighting every asshole in the world, you're never going to stop fighting. And I just thought about that. And I was like, you know what? He's right. And that's kind of when all the brawling kind of went away. And time was moving on. So it was getting sort of normal. But what I didn't realize was that I was having flashbacks of the accident because we found the wreck. Like, we left the game, and the wreck was on the road, and we drove up and were there. So every night, I would have a flashback of the wreck, and then the firemen coming, and the EMT guys cutting them out, and I'd see that. And, I, you know, there was gasoline everywhere, and, like, antifreeze on the ground. Like, all this shit in cars that you never expect to see. It's all over the floor. The car, the truck, it was a Chevy Silverado or whatever it was. It was like an old school Chevy truck, you know, with the uh, 
some wonder it didn't catch fire. Like, those guys were so ballsy who cut them out. They were sitting there with, I don't know, the jaws of life or whatever, cutting them out. Um, my brother wasn't driving. It was just him and his best friend, Dave. And Dave got saved by the steering wheel. They came around a corner, and there was an illegally parked uh, semi-truck there, and they just plowed into the back of it. But I would have flashbacks of the, the night, like, every day. And uh, so I was dealing with that. Like, I didn't know that. Like, uh, I later had gotten help with that, but that was going on. So I'm continuing to have flashbacks of the accident, which didn't help the drinking. But uh, now I'm drinking and now I'm, you know, trying other things. And, uh, you know, ecstasy is out. I mean, pills, so whatever. It all, like, it all, like, progressed in, like, a yeah. year. Once a year. I became open to trying drugs, I would try any drugs. Oh, yeah. Know? Is that right? Popping. Yeah, popping. whatever. I don't know. I mean, I'd eat <laughs> acid or whatever, a trip shrooms and right. acid i definitely never had a bad acid trip i don't know like people talk about that i mean i've had nothing but fun on like <laughs> acid. Mushroom. how about crack never tried crack <laughs> <laughs> had, to, had to slip it in there huh one, one thing i'm Something glad about is new orleans never didn't have like methamphetamine or what? at least in the circles <laughs> i traveled <laughs> yeah they, they do now yeah <laughs> i'm sure they do now they do now but, hey there bro yeah <laughs> I'm thankful for that because I'm glad I never had that around us. Worst roads in the fucking in America, New yeah. Orleans, dude. They Bro, are, we man. went out there right after we went out there right after that uh, hurricane hit, right? And bro, know. like, well, there's been a few. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Can't remember which one it was though. But it was. I think it was Hurricane Sandy or something like that. Oh, my uh, dude, it was like all this wind and gusts kind of like hit the city and stuff like that. And these people were just throwing mountains yeah. of fucking shit in the center of the fucking road, like mattresses, bro, yeah. it was Ma- mattresses, fucking. Yeah. Hold on, time out. Hurricane Sandy was in 2013 know, in New Jersey. I know it wasn't Sandy. Whatever, nigga. <laughs> One of them. Man, there's so many of them, though. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Let me go to the old Google. So but yeah, I know what you mean, though. That means that room flooded or whatever, and they just tore yeah, it they out. They just threw, threw everything, out. threw everything in the center of the road, bro. Yep. And then like they'd come. Th- sometimes they would, sometimes they won't come through and pick up the garbage off the off the cent- off the center. But yeah. it was like, man. I'm tripping out here. Yeah, the roads are bad, and they don't have taxation. Yeah. Like, gas in New Orleans is probably like $3 a gallon right yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's no no highway funds. None of that's getting yeah, pulled yeah. out of their taxes to fix the road. But the roads suck then. It's, like, yeah. so bad. You need a 4 by 4 Like, I don't even know if I'd have a motorcycle there. That's how bad the roads are. Like, yeah, they got, like, crawdads walking in the street. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you seen that girl right there, homie? She looked. She had. She was this, hey, so they had this girl. She was so freaking high on some shit. She was like out in the corner, like. Oh, I got the video. Like, oh my god, dude! The straight crawdad. I mean, it was yeah, classic. You love it. So, hey, Bourbon Street <laughs> is fucking off the chain. Love Have it. you ever been to Bourbon Street? Uh, no, I haven't. Wow. I think no. everybody should. Well, this is the form of partying me. I thought everybody should go to Mardi Gras Day and trip acid on Bourbon Street at least once in their life. Like if a bucket list thing, oh my God, because that was fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. I'm good on tripping on acid on Bourbon Street. <laughs> oh my God, it was off. Come back with some kind well, of Well, where are you from in New Orleans? <laughs> well, we were up, we lived uptown by Tulane University, like right oh, by shit. Audubon Park. Right, yeah. right, right. So past the Ninth Ward and all that. We were technically in the Second Ward, and we were right by Broadway and St. Charles Avenue, like right next to Tulane University. And how far away is that from Bourbon Street? 
Um, probably about five miles. And Holy you, shit! And you could take the streetcar straight down, but during the parade route, it stops at um, you know Napoleon Avenue. Actually, that night when I did trip, I ended up walking home from the French Quarter, which was like seven miles or something. Holy oh, you can, you, shit! You can gamble on the like in right Bourbon Street. Nice. Well, across the street. Now you they had Harris. Yeah, they got Harris Casino. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, fuck. Same thing up in uh, Deadwood at Sturgis. You could get there's casinos all along Deadwood. Yeah, it's fucking rad. I just think Louisiana's so lit because they got Steven Seagal being a sheriff out there. Oh, come on, come on, dude. He got, next. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. He got busted. <laughs> he was running like a sex dungeon or something and got busted. Right? What? Yes, he was like Steven Seagal's an asshole. <laughs> He was recently like busted for running like sex dungeons and shit. Hey man, oh, fuck him. I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> look man, it happens to the best of us, bro. It's all right. <laughs> oh shit, we got shit we can drop off. Oh, we do. Hey. hey, my man, we got some pickups. <laughs> we got some pickups for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the UPS guy just showed up. Cool. Fucking now. Now that we can be serious, now these fucking degenerates are gone. Fucking. Uh, there should be two. There should be two in there, Dustin. Jesus Christ. So how many times did you go to Mardi Gras? All, every year. Every I'm, year. Every year? Every year. And uh, we would go initially to Malpamine at, down in the quarter, or Malpomini. Like the black folks say Malpamine, and the white folks say Malp, Malpomini. <laughs> and uh, it's downtown pretty far, and it was like in a good neighborhood, like good neighborhood to see it in. It was downtown by the uh, Mississippi River Bridge. And my dad, you know, my dad drank. I didn't really realize it because I thought everybody's dad drank. But when my dad was doing work on, you know, Saturday morning, my brother was making, you know, uh, what is it, martinis for him at like <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning. And he'd be pouring through paperwork and drinking. Like, drinking was, I thought everybody had a bar in their house, you know. Yeah. Just, well, they did. Culturally, it was just, so on Mardi Gras day, he would pour out half a bottle of and two liter of Coke and fill the rest with rum. And that was his like bottle. I mean, this is when I was, you know, younger, 11 or 12, but eventually I would go on my own with my friends and stuff and party. And, uh, I, I loved it. Mardi Gras was fun. Jazz fest was fun. I went to every one of the Mardi Gras. I didn't go to all the jazz festivals initially, but I, I regret that. And, um, uh, so I was actually playing music and then I went to the Tulane university to, I took music in college, and I met a guy from California, actually, this guy, Glenn Hartman, and Glenn is a fantastic piano player and accordion player, and me and him became, like, pretty much best friends and started playing together every day for the next probably six years, maybe. And, uh, like, we opened up for... Uh, the Blues Traveler, we opened up for The Meters, we opened up for Walter Wolfman Washington. I mean, we opened up for some big acts. Um, yeah, holy shit. Yeah, we got to play... What style of music? We were playing blues, funk, and, you know, rock. Basically rock, I would call it. You know, we had a list of covers and a list of originals and stuff, and we did well. And, and this guy, Alex McMurray, is was in the band as well, and Dave Schwartz and this other guy, Brad... I think his name was Gottsake, and he was a bass player. It was like a college band. It was like a college band. And then the drinking age changed, and I could no longer gr drink because I missed the cutoff. 
By like a year? By like a month or something. Motherfuckers. Yeah, the, the grandfather clause, I missed it. So we started just mainly playing frat parties and stuff, which were off the hook. They were a lot of fun. I mean, I don't regret it at all. I mean, it was definitely what I was into. And uh, when I was about 19, finally, um, I drank like half a fifth of Evan Williams and took three Blue Valiums. Nice. And then I thought it was perfect time to go driving. Oh, fuck. Mm. So my mom had gotten, I didn't realize this, but my father used all these kind of uh, distraction techniques for us. When After my brother died, like my mom got a brand new car. We went to, like, the Virgin Islands for a vacation. This is when travel started happening all of a sudden. Like, I didn't realize it, but my dad really did a good job, like, trying to get us back together. One of my cousins came and lived with us. My cousin Kevin came and my other cousin. Uh, so we had a lot more visitors in the house. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm spiraling out of control here with this whole story. It's okay. But, uh Anyway, I'm wasted on Valium and bourbon and smoking Jamaican weed. Oh, nice. I mean, weed, weed and alcohol was there. That was like X plus Y. You know, anything else was just mainly alcohol was my thing. I consider myself mainly an alcoholic because I make stupid decisions once I'm drunk. Like, you know, it becomes, you know, that's the leader of all this. Anybody... Yep. You know, you have a couple of drinks, then you're not thinking right, then you do something else stupid and something, then before you know it, you're just three sheets to the wind and mm. in a bad spot. I always say that. Like, I don't start doing drugs until I start drinking. Yeah. And then the world becomes my oyster. Like, I'll do whatever you got. Yeah, because then it's like, bring it. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. it. Yeah. What you got? I relate. Like, when I listen to a lot of your podcast stuff, I definitely can feel that, you know. And it, like you too, and, you know, I never, like, shot up or ran up or did any kind of needles. I did get shot up once for, like, a dental procedure. So <laughs> I understood, though. When that guy hit me on that, I was like, oh, wow, that's what they're talking about. Mm. But uh, it was mainly alcohol would start the whole party, and it was always there. Like, I would wake up hungover and grab the half-empty uh, Heineken on my bedside table and just drink that have a camel light and start the next day, load up the bong, you know. Like, if if I didn't have my uncle around me, I'd probably been a crackhead, for sure. There you go. Like, my uncle was the one that, like, he used to beat my ass, like, whenever, he beat my ass when I was smoking weed, he beat my ass when I was fucking around with the homies, you know, with the cocaine and shit, like, he beat my ass. Like, if I didn't have some kind of, like, father, he's kind of like a fucked up father figure, but if I didn't have my, my uncle around, I probably would have been strung out doing something. I'll probably still be not on the run. Fuck it. I never asked you, Dustin. Who was your fucking... Who introduced you to fucking drinking and getting loaded? Or did were you the guy? <laughs> well, it was the winter of uh, 1943, <laughs> uh, and Dustin was in the plains of Vermont. Well, I mean, look. I remember drinking at a very young age. I remember being like five years old throwing up on fucking champagne on New Year's wow. at my grandparents' house. No they shit. They gave me champagne, yeah. Oh, wow. And... I fucking, th I mean, it was tiny, you know what I mean? I threw it up. But then, <clears throat> yeah. always getting booze from my dad, you know what I mean? Let me take in sips of his fucking course. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. My mom used to let us all have a puff off of her cigarette, and she only smoked on New Year's Eve, but we could all have a puff off her cigarette <laughs> yeah. on New Year's Eve. God, for, the 80s, baby. For my 16th birthday, my mom bought me a carton of cigarettes. What? Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, she would let us drink, too. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, for for drugs, I mean, I can't really blame anybody else. They introduced me to a lot of things. You know what I mean? But I'm, I was the addict that was, like, fucking engorging it. Yeah. yeah. I remember you telling me the story about how he got introduced to heroin. I was just wondering yeah. if it were, there was, like, for me, there was... The one homie, Alan, introduced us all to fucking smoking weed and then drinking, and then he eventually got into heavy drugs. And Well, see, me, me I, I was around so many different people. You know what I mean? Like, we had, like, like, we had cowboys, we had skaters, we had fucking, you know, punk rock guy, whatever. And I would always just bounce around to, like, different people. So, until, like, uh, 16, that's when I really started getting my herd, you know what I mean? But then they were just drinkers, you know? Yeah. Who were I mean, they? The Rednecks? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, guys, when y'all went to New Orleans, see, that's what it was like growing up there. It was very small. Like, the city's small. I mean, it really is. It's a small yeah, city. And then, is. like, the only thing really to do is to go to clubs and dr- bars and stuff. There's not a lot else there going on. It's mainly dancing and drinking and dancing Hunt and drinking. alligators. <laughs> Gator hunting. Gator hunting. Crawdad fishing. That is I had a buddy that lives in New Orleans East that I spent a good bit of time with. He's in jail now for like 20 years or something, but he, he, like that. he was uh fucking those gators, huh? No, but, <laughs> but, but he could like, he could water ski and barefoot water ski and they lived on the bayou basically yeah. in New Orleans East and I, I couldn't do any of that shit. And they I'm, all, fu- like, I'm fascinated by shit like that, by it, people like that. I mean, and, and that's all they know. I'm, I'm like, wow. Dude. When that motherfucker pulled up that alligator out the water with his bare hands, bare I was like, hands. with marshmallows, nigga? See, and one of my, one of <laughs> our I'm still, f- I'm friends with that guy <laughs> on Facebook. We talk all the time. Coolest fucking dude, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. One of our, one of our friends had a shrimp boat and uh, his shrimp boat, Miss Juanita, and he nice. would go out with his dad a week on the shrimp boat and a week off the shrimp boat. Mm. And finally, the school like brought him in the office because he was missing a week of school at a time. And his name was Darren. Darren Kane. He was a great guy. Like he was a great guy. He worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. And they were giving him shit about missing school. And he just cursed them all out and told them that they were a bunch of assholes. And he worked harder than all of them combined. And it, it was probably true at the time. It was just such a culturally different thing out there. And Mark. Mark. Yeah, you don't really hear that shit. Like, no, missing school because I was on a shrimp boat for my family business. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, and I, I don't know whatever happened with them because I left. You know, I, so, you know, but y'all bounce, y'all bounce, y'all bounce around what age? When I was uh, 24, I started have having trouble. Like, so when I'm 19, I'm out. I ate those three blue Valium and had the uh, half a bottle of Evan, and I took my mom's like Mustang out. And there's this stretch of river road that turns to Magazine Street right by the river, and it's a nice kind of angle. And I went and hit it pretty much as fast as I could and slid around the turn. And luckily, I hit some posts, like those concrete barrier posts, that just made it under the fender and hit the wheel so hard that the wheel, the rear wheel bent. But the car, like, made it home. Like, I limped home on the car, like, got home, got to bed. So I'm like 19 now. My dad was like, what the fuck did you do to the car? And I told him what happened, and that was it. He basically insisted I get sober, and I had to go for weekly drug testing and see a psychiatrist. So it was good. I had to take an abuse for a year, 
and go to a psychiatrist and get my blood drawn. So, like, the first time I'm going to get my blood drawn, I smoked, like, as much pot as I possibly could in a day because I wanted my levels to be, like... Stupid high. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So... You got to explain what antabuse is. I know what it is, but not a lot of people do. Well, antabuse, I think, is the only thing real alcoholics can to stop them from drinking. It makes you physically allergic to alcohol. Makes you sick as fuck. It will make you... Bust out in hives, have shortness of breath, and if you are older like my age now, they warn you it can kill you. So it makes you definitely allergic to alcohol, and they were testing my blood to make sure I was taking it and testing my blood to see what drugs I was on and if I was on alcohol. So for that year, um, I did okay. I really did well in school. I lost a ton of weight. I got down to like 175 pounds. I mean, I was ripped to shreds. And I uh, met this girl that I started seeing for a couple of years who was probably not good to meet. She was like 23 and I was 19 and she was a go-go dancer. Like, Oh, nice. Yeah, (laughs) she was gorgeous. And technically she was a stripper, but. She all right, she all right, she all right. Don't get into detail. She all right, she all right. She didn't allegedly. take her top off. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so allegedly she yeah. was a stripper. Yeah. She was paying for Tulane University in cash, which is like $32,000 a year. That's my girl. Uh, yes. Yeah, so my bad. She, she was, so she was stripping at night, working all day, going to school, stripping at night, and guess what she was using to keep it all going? Cocaine. You got it. <laughs> so I was like, your dick? I mean, what? <laughs> so now I'm going out with this gorgeous, like, 23, 24-year-old that's got blow all the time. Mm. And basically it turned into me drinking again and partying with her at night and then going to strip clubs to pick her up at, like, 4.30 in the morning and... Just crazy times. I got a question. Was she jealous? No, but she would tell me not to come see her because I would ruin her tips, and then I would get jealous. And then I was such a long-haired big freak at the time. People were kind of intimidated by me, so I would ruin her night, she'd say. But eventually she left me for somebody that I think was just giving her coke. Mm. Like eventually she left me after a couple of years of us being together, which basically at the end of that, I was a wreck again. I'm doing all kind of different drugs again still, right. but I didn't like cocaine. And especially after that, I hated it because I felt like I lost her to it, you know? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I really did. I hated cocaine. It was just a bad deal. I didn't like how it made me feel either. Mm. Like it made maybe like looking at the window, who's outside, like. You, you got know. paranoid off of cocaine? Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah? You got paranoid too? Oh, yeah. Dude, it'd be so quiet. Like, he'd ha- barely have the record on it. Oh, you hear that? <laughs> They're coming to get us. Justin, you used to get paranoid off of cocaine? Yeah, towards the end, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I know. I mean, I th- things would just fuck my high up, but... Yeah, yeah. But, and the, the coke, I mean, I, I had really good coke, and then it started to get real smashed down, mm. and... It would make me fucking take a shit right away. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Instantly. And then, yeah. And then I would fucking saw jaw. It's like a routine. Same thing. Take a shit, saw jaw, and then just be fucking f- weird. Yeah. 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 I hated that feeling. Like, you do a bump, take a dump, and then just get ringy and 
and I hated it. And then I lost her to it, I felt like. Mm-hmm. So I was still playing in the band, though, and that was going pretty well. And then... Uh, what was your band called? Oh, God, it was an awful name. It was like the Vince Berman Trio, and there were five of us with no one named Vince. It was just a, just a big old <laughs> fucking... It was awful. Like, it was like just a joke. But, I mean, we were good. Like, we were doing well. We made the paper. We played a lot of clubs. We had... Actually, we had a full-on local circuit that we were playing five to six nights a week for, like, three years. Nice. Yeah. That's solid. It was. And then um, the funny thing about that, Bill's... That Bill Super Bowl, when they played the Giants and lost, that night I got wasted drunk, left my keys at my buddy's apartment, and then tried to break into my second-story apartment and fell and broke my wrist. Oh, fuck. And it's still broken. Like, I have a permanently broken left wrist. So Look at that. So... Oh, fuck. So then we had a ton of gigs lined up, and they, all they put on was this, like, spike cast, and I continued trying to play because they gave me a prescription of Percocet, and that's all I needed to think, oh, I can play with a broken wrist. So I, I continued playing guitar on the broken wrist, which basically kind of ruined my hand, and then that sort of fell apart, and, you know, one night we had been busting our ass and busting our ass, and the Maple Leaf called, and it was Monday night, and the band had canceled, and they wanted us to play. And in retrospect, I probably should have played, but I said, no, nah, man, I'm, I don't want to go. And my friends were like, what? I was like, dude, we're going to make like $6 each. You know, literally, this was the kind of shit you would get the door. So literally, we'd go haul all our shit over there from like 10 to 2 in the morning, play all fucking night long for, you know, four guys on stools or three guys on a Monday night in New Orleans, you know. Mm. And in retrospect, I mean, I probably should have went, but I didn't. I had worked my day job all fucking day. So I was working doing data communications work during the day. So I got my degree in music. Mm. And then the only job I could get after I got my music degree, I was playing music at night and pulling cable during the day and building computer networks. So I would work from like 7 to 3, doing like it's almost like light construction you know pulling cable and terminating cable and then i'd sleep from like three to seven or eight or whatever or four to nine or whatever it was and then get up drive over to the gig we'd play someplace from like 10 to three in the morning and i'd get up at like you know seven and go to work again so i had this bizarre split sleep schedule going on right right and then i finally just quit that i quit the band and i was just working my day job and uh and now they are called Led Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, Alex McMurray is like really pretty well known. He's pretty well. He's pretty big in New Orleans. Alex McMurray's good, and Glenn Hartman's pretty big too. He uh, he's pretty. They're both very well known New Orleans musicians. It's kind of funny. I mean, I I get jealous of it. This was the when COVID hit was the first time I wasn't jealous because like all of them had really hard times. Like, every musician I know had really, really hard times through COVID. Like, like that was the first time I was glad I had a regular job. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 20 years of fucking complete agony. <laughs> Fuck these guys. Yeah. You ain't even that good. They're awesome. Piece it's of true. shit. <laughs> and uh, so, 
Where was I going with this? I forget now. My you were making the voodoo doll because they were making money off it. <laughs> yeah. You wasn't. You, did, no, oh, you I quit the band. I, got, I, I quit reading. the band and uh, I started really, I got arrested for DWI. Mm. And while I was in the band, I got arrested for public drunkenness. We went to a recording studio and actually cut a few songs. And I was so pumped up, I went to a bar and got all hammered. And then... uh. I got, you know, smart with the bouncers and smart with the doorman. And next thing you know, I was in cuffs and in downtown. And so I got arrested for public, dis- you know, drunk and disorderly and resisting arrest and assaulting a police officer. Oh, Christ. Those, those were the three three uh, charges I got hit with. Mm-hmm. And, and resisting arrest and assaulting police officer was a guy grabbed me by the wrist and I pulled my wrist down from him. And that was the combined assault and resisting Jeez, they yeah. got your ass. Yeah, just for that. Like, man, if anybody grabs you, I don't care who it is, you're going to, like, resist. Yeah. So, so that was those charges, which later got thrown out of court. But then I got arrested for DWI, of all places, into my own driveway. Ugh. Like, I had made it all the way home, and then, woo, woo, I looked behind me, and I just pulled in the driveway, and they didn't care. I was like, look, man, I'm home. Like, let me just go to bed they're like fuck you you know get out get out of the car and they had the sirens on and everything and my parents are looking out the window and i'm like can you guys just turn the sirens off they were like man fuck you basically and they took me to moss street of all places which is in city park and i thought they were going to kill me or something because i knew where downtown was from the other arrest and this was like the middle of fucking nowhere in city park which is come to find out later where they do all the dwi testing at it was like a different location so that like so shit was just out of control so i was 24 now and i was really just realizing that fuck i'm going nowhere i mean i mean my this like a joke we had is our only ambition was to have another drink and pack of smokes you know there was nothing really i i had to leave so I guess whatever you want to call it, a moment of clarity or whatever, I knew I had to get out of New Orleans. And uh, I didn't have any other people except people in the New York area, you know. And uh, I, my cousin offered me a job working for the Board of Education in Brooklyn on 110 Livingston Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I got a job in New York, in Brooklyn, working for Manpower Technical or some kind Is of. Is that Crown Heights? Um, it's really, it's on Court Street and J Street right by there. And, uh, I think it's, it might be Brooklyn Heights. It's definitely very wealthy over there. Yeah, like, yeah. Like spot a promenade and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I got an apartment in Jersey City for like 600 a month in mm-hmm. what looked like fucking good times apartment building or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I started working in New York and I got out of New what Orleans. This is like 1994 now. Oh, that, so that's like right after the bombing, right? Um, no, six months before that. Oh, yeah, it was six months after that, yeah. Wow. Like I was commuting through the bottom of the World Trade Center in, from the PATH train, and I looked up one day. I was like, oh, that's where the bomb was like six yeah, months yeah. ago. I couldn't believe it. Like, Yeah, so I was working in New York. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. I looked, I forgot about that. And then one day I was commuting through and I was like, oh yeah, this is the place that got bombed. Yeah. Oh, they did blow up the fucking parking garage? So in 1993, 
uh, Yusuf, whatever his name was, and like four other dudes orchestrated a plan to like load up this bus with some not it a was van. A, it, it was, was a van. van. It was like an Econo line. Yeah, and they loaded it up with fucking explosives. Yeah, yeah, with explosives, and then set it off. Yeah, but it didn't. It didn't cause. As much damage as they thought it would. Like, they thought it would take down the foundation of the two buildings, especially, like, where it was. It was, like, in their parking structure, Yeah, it was right? in the parking yeah. structure. In the parking structure of the World Trade Centers underneath the World Trade Center. So, one, it's like... One of my father's good friends that we all, like, called uncle or whatever was in the Trade Center. At the, that When that one went off, I remember mm. seeing, like, hearing from him that he was okay and everything. Right. Yeah. So Fucked up, fucked up my TV for, like, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Power Rangers. It was live back then, bro. Why are you acting like you didn't watch the Power Rangers? I did watch Power Rangers. Exactly. exactly. I would get the tidy whities <laughs> that had the like prints on the back, and I would fucking turn them around so I could look at it. <laughs> Savage. You know what I mean? Walking around the in underoos. No, yeah, the old underoos. <laughs> the underoos. Uh, yeah. So, how old are you in New York? I'm like 24, 25 now. Oh, prime time. Yeah. So at 25, I realized I'm going to make it to 30. All those, you know, when you're like 20 and partying, I'm never going to make it to 30. All that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Now, like, <laughs> we're getting I'm, close. I'm like, I'm going to make it to 30. And what am I going to have? No job and no. So I went to a, a training center at night for computers and worked at computers during the day. And I kind of got my shit together. I got out on my own finally. What it was, I was living in my parents' garage. They had a garage with an apartment above it, and I was renting it from them for two fifty a month. So, I I thought that was fine because I had a friend who had a house for one hundred ninety a month in New Fuck yeah, mm. I mean apartments were so cheap back then. It was like two hundred a month was normal for an apartment. Mm. So even my apartment in Jersey City was like six hundred a month and was two path train stops away from the train center and all utilities were included. So that was like where I, I spent the next few years. Jersey City, that's where all like the carjackings and shit like that were pretty crazy, right? I don't know. I was mainly working. But yeah. but I definitely was still drinking and working and drinking and working and I got hired eventually by this one communications company that was like all Irish guys and uh I told you this story of kind of like one night we we were working at Smith Barney and Shearson and uh, we had worked 19 days in a row over 14 hours a day every day and the boss like took us out for uh, like a spread like a wedding spread like he rented a restaurant for us open bar all the food you could eat and I was drinking tequila and I was shooting it and they didn't have any shot glasses so I was drinking goblets of tequila nice my and, dog. Oh, so at one point near the end of the night, I did one and kind of gagged and kind of like almost threw up. And my friend was like, that's it, Pete. Go to the bathroom right now and just let it all out, man. And I was like, fuck you. I'm not doing it. I'm just going to be fine. <laughs> so now he's getting town cars for us and sending us all home. And I'm like. Nah, man, that's a waste of money. I'm going to take the fucking train home. It's only like 20 minutes away. I'm, uh, yeah, it's fucking waste. I'm just hammered drunk and being obstinate, really. And uh, mm. so I go down to, I walk to the train station. I'm hammered drunk. And uh, there's this homeless guy I see every day. He's just sitting in his little, like, pig pen fucking section of the wall. And I give him a $20 bill. 
And you never seen anybody just stand up so fast and walk out. Like, that was it. And it was so funny. And I'm, like, feeling good and thinking that was the funniest thing i ever seen. And I get down to the platform and I'm waiting for the train. And I think, oh, man, I got to take a shit. <laughs> oh. And I'm, like, waiting and waiting. The train's not coming. I'm, like, fuck it. I'm going to just fuck it. I'm gonna. I walk down to the end of the platform, go down the stairs, onto the tracks, and I start taking a shit. And, of course, the train comes. So now I'm, like, running in my clothes, shitting, pulling up my pants all at the same time, <laughs> praying I don't get killed by a subway train. Oh, my God. I wish I would have been on the platform looking at me instead of being me because it must have been the funniest shit ever. I'm looking at these two <laughs> fucking guys' faces right now. It's funny. <laughs> They're looking oh at you like, what? God. So then I get up onto the platform. I'm still hammered. I mean, really, probably poisoned. I'm probably, like, close to ODing on alcohol. I got mm. shit all over me, mm. and I got to get on the train. I get on the train, and I'm, like, kryptonite or radioactive. Basically, everyone is moving away from me, you know, because I stink. I'm disgusting. I smell like booze, probably. And I sit down, and I kind of fall asleep where I'm sitting. And next thing you know, I wake up, and somebody's trying to steal my briefcase. And I just grab the guy's fucking hand and snap his thumb. And the guy just screams and runs away. And I just sort of like laughed to myself and went <laughs> back to sleep. And then I don't know how, but I managed to change trains to the path. And then I got on the New Jersey path train. And then I rode it to the end, which was Journal Square. Mm. And I don't really remember much after that. And I woke up in the hospital. That's pretty far from Jersey City. No, it's it's right. It's Jersey City. It's like the heart of it. That's like in the middle of it. Yeah, it's like right in like it's it's first the first stop is uh, Grove Street, right, and then I think it's Journal Square. Whatever it was, it was like three stops, and it ended like the train turned around, went back. Went it was back. mainly just to ha handle Jersey City, Hoboken, and back to New York. Uh, I was gonna say, I thought I thought it was like, never mind. Nah, so that was another incident where I woke up. I didn't know where I was. I called the nearest hospital, and they were like, yeah, you were here. We've got your stuff. If you want to come down and get it, we've got it. So I go down, and I have to sign the paperwork that says I was there and got my briefcase and my pager. Wait, hold on. We're going to need to back up. You were in the hospital? Yeah. Came to? Came to at like 3 or 4 in the morning, tripping, like still drunk. I had IVs in my arm. I just pulled them straight out of my arm. I got up. I took all my clothes off, threw the, like, shitty drawers away, washed all my shit in the sink, put it back on, and went outside, hailed a cab, and took me home. And it was, like, not far from my house at all, my apartment at all. I was, like, four blocks from my apartment. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I just missed, like, getting home probably by, you know, a few like 20 minutes of, of of struggle i just blew it but that was like another flag like i have to stop this nonsense it was just killing me and then i finally you know i was started pursuing um my wife i'm married to and uh i tried being sober for her i really did i wanted to be clean like i wanted to be clean and i wanted to be sober but i didn't know how to do it and i, I just kept doing it and the thing with alcohol is it's like this socially acceptable thing 
where it's like okay for people like it's on the shows it's on the commercials it's like it's all right you know and i just it was terrible for me so i'm in jersey city and i started seeing my current wife i'm not going to really bring her into it but she had been offered a really good job in oregon and I was sick of living in Jersey City. I lived in a shitty apartment and a shitty, you know, it was just dirty, bro. It was just like living in the fucking projects, you know. I don't care what it was worth. Like, I mean, I was good. I worked there three years. I, you know, paid for all my own shit. I got out of my parents' nightmare, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I got out on my own. I was finally, like, taking care of myself for, for good. Like, and so we went to Oregon together. And uh, that was that was cool, man. I mean, I, what I didn't know was Oregon had more micro brews than any other state in the union, probably. <laughs> so, I mean, to make a lot like a long story short, I mean, I got my first dirt bike finally. I'm like 29 now or something, and I got my first dirt bike, and I thought it was really cool. But I continued to like struggle with booze. I was no longer, like, taking any kind of drugs, though. But I was still drinking. And uh, she fucking hated it there. Mm. We got a friend that's up there right now. He's like, pit bikes is the shit out here and everything like that. I, I loved Oregon. I thought it was so nice. But I was going to Bend on the weekends to uh, drive dirt bikes, mm-hmm. which was, like, high desert. So it was sunny and nice and I wasn't very good like this is the first dirt bike I had ever had I'm like 30 years old almost and the guys around me had been riding since they were like 8 you know yeah were you riding in the snow though I thought I saw a picture of you riding in the snow the very first day we went out my friend was like look man this guy Ron Ron Hendrickson he was like Pete he was like don't be an idiot I got a friend who just bought you know a $6,000 dirt bike he tried it his first time he fucking hates it you know don't do that so I went out and spent 600 bucks on an XR200, which is probably way too small for me. But he's like, look, that's good. Like, if you hate it, you can just sell it. So I took it out, and the first day it was snow and ice. I hit a sheet of ice. Both wheels squirreled right out from under me, and I landed on straight onto my knee in, like, the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Ugh. Story of my life, man. <laughs> yeah, life. Sounds like Rafa. I had no gear <laughs> on. Good. I had on boots and a helmet and dirt bike gloves. Been there. And <laughs> broken clavicle, broken collarbone. Count them. This one had a dirt bike. He had just gotten the sporty. Then he bought a dirt bike. And Sport. he's like riding around. And this fucking picket fence appears I, I, out of nowhere <laughs> to be honest to be honest i don't know what it was i i told everybody it was a picket fence but like i went there the next day there wasn't shit yeah I, I literally probably just ate shit i don't know but like my body i i knocked out before like i could remember what happened bro and like yeah it was all bad so, <laughs> so harley up? harley within the first six hours i crashed yeah really oh yeah, yeah wow then we were doing a U-turn out in Morro Bay, went down on the low rider. <laughs> it actually, the low rider bounced right back up and almost hit me. No, I was right behind <laughs> you when that oh, happened. Yeah. I forgot about this. I forgot about he, that too. He fucking clipped. So we're going to make the U-turn in Morro Bay to head home. And his crash bar clipped the curb and popped the wheel. And I he ran spun around, almost ran him over. And then he dumped him. He just hopped off and was like, fuck this bike. And then the rest of us pulled into the gas station. Somebody hopped off, helped you get it up. The bike came at me. Yeah. 
I remember seeing <laughs> spun around. I remember <laughs> seeing your crash bar clip the curb, pop the wheel up, and then like you had, were clutched. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah. He's also fucking dumpster dove on on the low rider. Yeah, May she, she rest in fucking peace, sis. <laughs> twenty twenty low rider s. I blew up the motor and cracked the bike. How long have you been sober now for? For thirteen years since two thousand nine of. May of 2009, I think it was the 22nd. I think it was a Friday that I was like, that's it. Um, so you just cold turkey? Yeah. And was, this is your longest time ever being sober? Yes, and I don't ever want to go back. Nice. It was very hard initially, like the first few months. I'd say the first three months were really tough. But uh, What led up to it? Um... Just the constant alcoholism and then lying about being drunk and like, no, I'm not drinking mm. and like having little bottles stashed in the garage or something, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I was doing that. I mean, I would be like, you know, have a bottle it, like stashed in the garage and then go work on the dirt bike in the garage and then slam down, you know, a half a pint of 100 proof vodka. Your wife you had know. a problem with that shit, huh? Oh, yes. Uh. She did not want me drunk. She did not want me stoned. She wanted me sober. I mean, I purposely wanted a woman that was not a partier. Like, I, I did. Because mm. it would have been the worst thing for me. Yeah. I'd probably be dead. Mm. And she's Puerto Rican, too, right? She's Puerto Rican. She's very strong-willed. Uh, I, <laughs> I told her I would not bring her up, so I'm going to try to respect her on that. She's wow. a tough woman. Yeah. And uh, my, my liver was physically hurting, finally. Mm. Um, like, literally, I, my, my liver hurt. I was drinking a lot, too. Mm. I mean... Uh, finally, one day, my doctor asked me how much I was drinking, and I said, well, is it the weekend? Oof. And he was like, well, on the weekend. And I was like, well, I'd probably drink a full bottle of Evan Williams and a case of Heineken. And he was like, oh. He was like, what about <laughs> during the weekdays? I was like, well, probably like half a bottle of Evan and, you know, four beers, like, every day. Mm. And uh, – but that was when I was really partying and, and my wife knew about it and stuff and she just hated it. She hated it and we were not getting along very well at all. Mm. And uh, what it was is finally, it was just, my kid came home with a project from school and it was the effects of alcohol on the liver. And he was in like fifth grade and I said I wouldn't bring them up but I'm bringing this up because this is kind of to the point. And I thought he was trying to send me a message um, later, about six months, or s not six months, but a few years later, when he was old enough, I asked him if that was the case, and he said, no, oh, no, it wasn't the case at all. He said he would have either done tobacco on the lungs or al liver on the, alcohol on the liver. He'd just flip a coin. Like, he wasn't trying yeah. to tell me anything. None of my kids have seen me, like, drunk. Like, none of them. I really made a point not to. And... I'll say this. What happened was with the flashbacks of the accident, I finally saw a therapist here in San Diego, this woman named Jenny Powell, and she put it like this. She's like, look, you know when you go in the morning and you turn your key and then you're at work and you're like, shit, did I lock the house? You know, she said, that's normal memory processing. She says, having a memory that you see every day of your life is not right. She's like, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And she said, basically, I was suffering from PTSD and I had survivor's guilt because basically we lived and we always think it should have been me. 
should have been me. He's at my game. He died because of me. Like all the blame, we just blame ourselves. And then put in the addict mentality of, of victimization and, you know, I'm the fucking victim here and fuck everybody and the anger and all the shit combined. So she did this technique called EMDR, which is eye motion desensitization and reprocessing. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. Basically, she makes you follow her, her hand from side to side with both eyes simultaneously and relive the accident over and over and over. And at that point, the two eyes make both sides, the left and right sphere of the brain, stay focused, and it, like, crosses and make both of them work while you do the memory again. And it basically forces you to reprocess the memory properly. Mm. So we did it, and the very first day... I did it. I mean, I left with tears just like streaming down. My, I mean, I was like a physical shaking wreck. Like, I mean, it was like I had just been through the accident again. And first thing was to go to the liquor store and I didn't do it. And I went home. Wow. And that was kind of like the hardest day ever. Mm. And the continuous reliving the accident was brutal, but the flashback started started falling off and now i don't see the accident until i choose to think about it wow oh wow and i don't i I, it worked it literally i think this thing pretty much i wouldn't have been sober without it i really do Mm. so for any people out there that have something like that it's not normal i mean i'm lucky i've not been in any kind of war situation where guys have seen things over and over and have like it was just one real big thing for me Mm-hmm. But I mean, some people say you were in a bad car wreck or something. It, it I, I swear this. I I really give this woman credit for getting me off alcohol. Right. Wow! Wow! Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, you know, one of the reasons why I, I mean, besides that, you you ride, you support us, you know. You, but I really want you to come on and just talk about your. You should be dead. Yeah. Because you you're like one, and I mean, I know that there's people that survive heart attacks. But for you, to, but anybody that survives a massive heart attack, that's fucking crazy to me. Because my dad died, you know, and he died at 46 years old, which is fucking cuckoo, right? But all my uncles have died from heart attacks, too, besides one. One's still living. You know, my, my grandfather has a, well, he's no longer here, but he had a pacemaker. Oh, but yep. that is fucking, it's fascinating to me that, you know, you didn't, what, 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 I just wanted to know what, what happened with that. So in 2020, I went out for a ride on my like Yamaha, I had a Yamaha and a Harley at the time. Um, so after being sober for like six months, I really wanted something as a reward for it. So I went and got my first street bike and started riding. And, uh, in 2020, um, I don't know what happened, but I was out riding and I felt like I pulled a muscle in my back or something. I came home and I had a pain in the middle of my back and it hurt and I didn't feel good and I felt a little sweaty, but it it was okay. It wasn't that bad. I like thought I pulled a muscle in my back or strained it or something. I literally had my wife walk on my back that night. Like I laid on my chest and she walked on my back. I thought my back was going to crack. So this was the 22nd. Um, October 22nd of 2020 on the 23rd I woke up and 
I didn't feel well. So now I'm thinking, man, I, I must have COVID, you know, all this COVID bullshit, COVID, COVID, COVID. I'm, I like feel feverish. I like feel clammy. My back is still fucking hurting. Um, I'm laying down. I'm like, can you just take my temperature? Wife takes my temperature. It's negative. I'm like, but I feel like I got a fever. Anyway, it's closing in on Halloween. I got a kid who's like 14 or 15. We got plans to go to like the Del Mar haunted house thing, which is supposed to be like top notch. So I like get up and like, fuck it. I got to get the car ready. So I go down and like clean all the windows. I basically acted, you know, what I would do normally, even though I felt kind of shitty. So that night went to the haunted house and everything. My back's hurting. I'm feeling like, like now I think I'm sick. Like I really feel like I'm sick. And uh, I'm I'm convinced I have COVID now. I'm convinced of it. No matter what fucking people say, I think I got it. Mm -hmm. So I wake up on the 24th, and now I'm like, I want to go to the doctor, kind of. I want to go to, I said, I want to go to the urgent care and get, like, a chest X-ray. So now I'm thinking maybe I got something in my lungs or pneumonia. And I called the nearest one to our house, which is, like, off Scripps Poway Parkway. Call them up go over there i get there fill out all the fucking paperwork and they're like oh sorry we don't have something to do a chest x-ray with you you've got to go to the mira mesa um urgent care so my wife drove me and uh, thank god she did because i wasn't feeling well we took my temperature over and over these last two days and i'm like feeling shitty but i'm like okay so we get to mira mesa sign all the paperwork and shit, tell them what's going on, and they refuse to see me. They're like, based on your symptoms, you could be having a heart attack, and we want you should go to the hospital is what you should do. So now I feel like I'm getting to run around, and I'm angry, and I'm feeling shitty, and I've been to two urgent cares, and all I want is a goddamn chest x-ray. So I go out to the car, and I'm like, fuck these people. Let's go home. I just want to take a nap. I told my wife what she said, and uh, she's like, you know what, let's just go to the hospital. I'm like, fine, whatever, let's just go. We go to the hospital. The first thing they do is they hook up the EKG to my chest, Mm. and then they're like, you are having a major heart attack. Mm. Holy fuck. Yeah, so these guys start all fucking panicking around me. Like, some of the younger guys, for sure, they're like fucking, you know, in full-on, a-team mode or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what to say. And I'm like, okay, can we make sure we don't do shit wrong? I mean, I'm like, <laughs> Let's not fuck this up, boys. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck, I call my yeah, way. don't I'm fuck like, this up, please. Yeah. I, I want to live. I want to live, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> like, one guy stuck me on the gurney and didn't lock it right, and then they start pushing it, and it collapsed. Oh, fuck. I would have been pissed. I was. I was like, dude, fucking just, you know, slow down a little bit. And then they're like... We don't have a cath- catheter stint team here at Pomerado. I'm in Pomerado at Poway because it's by the house. And um, uh, they're like, we're going to have to fly you to the, uh, is it Escondido? The one right off 78? Yeah. yeah. So they're like, we're going to fly. city Yeah, we're going to fly to Escondido Hospital, Pomerado Escondido, because they got the catheter stint team there. And we'll call ahead and get them ready. And I'm like, I'm like, how much is this going to cost? And the lady just looks at me like, are you fucking kidding me? 
And I'm thinking, man, I don't want to get home after a 20-minute car ride and tell me I got a $50,000 chopper bill waiting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> chopper, baby. Because, man, you you got guys that go life flight out, and then they come home, and it's like 50 grand. So the woman's looking at me like I'm out of my mind, and I'm like, you know, or just check my fucking insurance. Like, they can't tell you nothing in the hospital. That's what pisses me off. You're like, how much does this cost? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So the lady just calls me in and goes, it's covered. It's covered. It's covered. And I'm like, fine. So they take me up in the chopper. And uh, they had one guy who was, like, serious, dude. Like, he was, like, you know, he looked kind of like a military guy. Like, he was Mm -hmm. stocky, bald, and he was in charge for sure. (laughs) And I was glad because, you know what? Those young guys were kind of panicking, and he just kind of settled them down, and they scooted me in on the chopper, and we go up. And I tell you, on that chopper, I was just like, I felt calm. And I was like, you know what? If this is it, I had a pretty damn good life, you know? Wow. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Fuck. Can you imagine? I'm on a chopper, (laughs) and I'm fucking going to another hospital. It's top of of one. I was like, yeah, I was, I was so, I'm like, I guess it was 20, Don't worry, my loyal steed, I got you. I was just thinking that my brother. Spaniard. Don't worry, we got you. Going up, Roger Dodger. (laughs) (laughs) Maverick is on his way. (laughs) My name's Papa, Papa Juan, Spaniard, coming at you. Oh, (laughs) these motherfuckers. (laughs) Don't worry, LFG Pete. We're here. But I, 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 I really hey, fucking was. nitrous, Rafa. Let's go. <laughs> Give me the goddamn vape. <laughs> I really did feel like this calmness, though. Like I was, if I was gonna go, I was thinking, man, I'm gonna go see my brother. My dad had passed in 2015. I was like, I'm gonna go. I was like thinking Val Halloways, you know, like I'm gonna go see the people that are gone already. And I felt really this like overwhelming sense of calm. Like wow. I was okay with it. If this was it, I thought I did all right. Like, I had, you know, worked hard. I had kids. I'd done, like, the shit. Like, I, I thought I did all right. And then I get to the hospital, and then they don't know where to go. So they were, were pushing me around in Escondido oh, looking no. for the catheter stent lab. And all I'm thinking is, see, we could have drove. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So then they get the guy, and I get this guy, Young Lee. He's a, uh, I guess he's Chinese. I'm making this assumption. His last name is Lee, and he was Asian. But anyway, he was a military doctor, and he was fucking good. And he was like, this is going to go down three ways. One, there's nothing wrong with your heart, and we're going to have to think chemically what we can do to fix you. Two, you've got a blocked artery that we can possibly get a stint in. And we'll stint you right here. Or three, you're having a major heart attack with multiple black arteries, and we're going to crack you open and do a bypass. So he's like, okay. And I was like, all right, I understood. And at least at least he's up front. He yeah, was. I was about to say, I'm not calm any longer, guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm now fucking, we're fucking panicking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now, My butthole, it's clinched. <laughs> now, we, now we have a heart attack. Okay. <laughs> so then they, like, put this, I don't know what it was, but I could see the whole procedure at the time. They put this sort of x-ray machine over my heart, and we mm. can see the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, you've got a fully blocked-on LED, like a left anterior descending artery, 100% blockage. It's also known as the widow maker. Oh, shit. <laughs> 
So it's 100% blocked, and I watched. They cut open your femoral artery, and they string a wire from your femoral artery up directly into your heart and, like, bore it out like a roto-rooter and then expand this very small mesh tunnel, and that's a stint. And I watched it all happen on the camera while he was doing it. It was fucking amazing. Like, wow. like he's knocking all the shit out of my heart, and it's looking like powder is exploding into my heart. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, that's plaque. And, Fuck. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, it's 100% blocked, man. You're, you're fucking lucky. He's like, he, he didn't say fucking. I would say that'd be so rad if he was like, like yeah, taking on you. You're so fucking lucky I'm hey, here. Spaniard, grab me the scalpel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here I come. <laughs> I'm going to drop it off right now. <laughs> oh, man. Did you feel different afterwards? Oh. Like, as it's happening? Yes. I immediately felt relief. As soon as he wow. opened up that stint, it felt normal, and the pain was gone like like that. No shit. Jesus. Yeah. Science, Fuck. huh? We got to worry about this kind of shit. Science, huh? It was amazing. Yeah. I, I, and... And with all the shit with the fucking COVID thing out, all I can think of, how can you not listen to your fucking doctor? You know, like everybody's, I'm going to listen to, you know, whoever. I'm listening to Joe Rogan for my medical advice. I'm going to listen to, you know, you know, the Packers quarterback or whatever. You know, like, dude, we're listening to all these motherfuckers. Just call up your doctor, man. See what he says. But it was it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was. So you had one. You had one. one stint? I had one stent put in. Every okay. other artery looked fine. I had mm-hmm. one major blockage, and what happened is, the it's the left anterior descending artery on the back of the heart. So the back pain I felt was because it's on the back side ah. of the heart. I didn't have any of that arm pain. I didn't have any of that kind of shit. I thought I hurt my back, you know. And even for like one split second during dinner the first night. Uh, I thought, man, I having a heart attack, and I was like, no, nah, it can't be that. And I really, I mean, I lived for two days having this heart attack, but it was the worst thing I could have possibly done because at that point, your heart is being starved for blood, and it begins to die, and they call it infarcted. So basically, I damaged my heart severely that that two days of waiting. So there was no blood supply to what they call it, the pericardial sac or something. It's basically the point of the heart at the bottom. Basically, mine doesn't have squeeze anymore down there. It's like very motionless and dead. So Mm. if you are having any kind of doubt, go to the doctor immediately. Don't wait. And I I really almost kind of think this is kind of COVID-related because of all the mass hysteria they pumped us fucking with that I thought I had that, where has that not been a thing, I would have probably went sooner, you know. I was convinced I had fucking COVID. I felt sweaty. I felt the only thing, I didn't have no cough or nothing, but I had all the other symptoms. Mm. Hey, he told me this, or we were talking on social media. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, it was my back. I had a resentment for two days because every time I had it, my back was pain. I'm like, I might be having a heart attack. <laughs> this could be it. Uh, this could Pete. be fucking I it. I literally remember saying, fucking Pete. He's <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? just like, yeah, man, it wasn't my arm. It was my back. I was having back pain. Fuck, I've never next, heard that, though. So. The very next day, my back started hurting. I said, at least I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> no, my back's in fucking pain. Pete said so. You <laughs> <prick>. <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn it. It is right in the middle, though. The pain was, like, right in the center of my back. Yeah, my uncle also died. For, like, he had, like... I think a quadruple bypass at one point. He had multiple heart surgeries, but he ended up passing from heart failure and fucking, I'm not taking care of myself right now. And it makes me fucking think like, dude, 
fucking tighten up. Cut out the fucking McDonald's and the fucking Burger King. Burger King. I've been abusing the fuck out of Burger King down here. The Just beating the shit out of it. The Whopper. And fucking <laughs> not doing jack dick for cardio. So I'm... Whew, I need to get my shit together. So... Hey, I gotta go. It was, right. it was definitely a good podcast, though. Pete. Oh, you're gonna miss the best part. Why? Because we're gonna keep going. Oh. No. <laughs> what time is it? What time is it? Fuck it. Get in the chopper. We're out of here. <laughs> I'm Papa Juan. I'm here to... Uh... Well, I'm just glad y'all had me. I mean, I don't have any wild stories like some of these cats, you know. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Fuck? we. How did you hear about us? Oh, yeah. Oh, so... Uh, Take us there. I first started just... I haven't been on Instagram very long at all. First of all, I do computer shit for a living, and I just wanted to see bikes. So I've been looking up paint jobs, and I just really loved paint jobs and bikes and stuff. And it kept leading me to links on Instagram that I didn't have access to. And links on Pinterest or Pinterest or whatever you want to call it. I call it Pinterest. People make fun of me. And uh, I just I joined just to see bikes. So then I'm watching fucking Instagram, and I see the East Coasting crew. Yeah. And they're fucking wheeling and shit. And Joey Wells and Gabe are like, Sal Fusco are just ripping the shit. I didn't think Harleys could do this. Those dudes fucking shred. So then I'm watching East Coastin, which leads to the Bell Brawl. So I go to the first Bell Brawl. But before that, I see Andy 76 is local, and I, I start following him. And then they start saying, hey, we're having a throttle Thursday. Meet us down at 2nd Street by Vase. Right, right. So it was like July first i think of 21 maybe mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and uh i went to my first uh throttle thursday just to see andy wheelie i wanted to see him do it like in person and smell the rubber and shit and him and a few other guys were wheeling out and leading us and there was a couple of ha guys there being the road captains and it was my first real time oh, ride. Oh, oh, oh i think i think i know what you're talking about yeah that that was the first time squirrel went on that ride too. And, and we went yeah. to a hamul casino and hung out yeah. and i didn't stay very long because i didn't know anybody right, and actually yeah. damien or damon the sh- kind of short, stocky guy, uh-huh. LFG. He's always at your... Um, it would have been Damien. Was, was he on a street bike at that time? Yeah, and Damien was there and had on an LFG hat. Yep. And, uh, That's was, our boy. Then I saw another guy with an LFG shirt, and I don't mm-hmm. know who it was. And a couple of guys had LFG gear, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Because there were a couple of Hell's Angels there, and I, I was like steering away from them and trying not to, you know, showing them respect but not trying to make anyone, you know, I'd be respectful of people. Yeah. So I looked it up on the website, LFG, and I read the statement about how it's just, you know, we're a clothing brand, but we like to ride motorcycles and we're all in recovery. Mm -hmm. And I just loved the message of going after it, grinding every day, getting, you know, what you want and and everyone being sober. And I thought it was just like a really cool message. Awesome. And uh that's still on our website today. Yeah, it's the yeah. same statement and I think it's a great statement and uh you know, the older you get, it doesn't get easier to go out and get it. Right. Like I have to work out now because if I want to continue to live, I have to do cardio exercise like right. I'm supposed to get 150 minutes a week. So I try to do like three to four hours a week on the exercise bike, but I really like now. I, is that the is that the bike that you're Osan? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm always on that, and I ride it, try to get three to four hours in per week. I haven't, and since 2022, I've gotten four hours a week every week. Fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I initially went to cardio rehab, rehabilitation therapy, which was a requirement, but I completed it, and I was like the strongest cat in there. Like, they were nice. looking at me. Like, there were some older people there, too, like like elderly people, but... I mean, I was definitely, like, working out hard, and by the end of it, I mean, I wanted to be better. And I definitely don't want to die. I mean, you know, I don't. But now I, like, lay around, and like you said, how eventually, you know, your uncle or his heart gave out. I, like, feel like that's what's going to happen if I'm not careful. Like, if I don't work it out like a muscle, that eventually it'll just weaken, and I'll not be able to push my blood and eventually it'll just die of like whatever you call that uh like heart congestion or congestive failure so i'm really like the other night i was laying around just i couldn't sleep because i kept thinking you know if i go to sleep you know am i gonna die in my sleep because my heart gives out like you know you ever had a nightmare where you wake up and your heart is beating like a trip hammer like like a hammer like you wake up and you just yeah like your heart's beating so hard like i'm afraid now if i had a dream like that it could could kill me Mm. so like the stint stays in you the first year the uh the amount of people that die in the first year of recovery is very high it's like 55 percent fuck yeah (laughs) that's not good those are not good numbers and the average life expectancy after a major heart attack is eight to eleven years so at 55 i mean i was like 52 i'm looking at like 60 to 63 and i'm like thinking that's not cool at all that's not enough man don't 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 look at numbers bro but the numbers are related to the guys who go back to eating pizza and donuts and never work out and smoke the minute they get out and they're like yeah, yeah. fuck everything i'm going to be me you know that those guys are there and they're usually dead within the year bro my uncle my uncle had a heart attack when he was like 38 yeah that motherfucker's 58 right now there you go. So running. And that motherfucker, and, and like, he does he does work out, but I've never seen him eat one healthy thing a day, day in his life. So my you know? uncle on my mother's side, my mother's side has all the heart disease. My uncle Larry, he right died now. finally at 84, but he, had, he was in uh, Korea and had a heart attack at 27. Right. And just fought through it and fought in the war. Like, he had a heart attack in Korea and just, right, right. and there was no, like, stints and all that bullshit. Basically... So yeah, then yeah. he had a triple bypass at like 75, and they were shocked. When they cut him open, they said half his heart was dead already. Right. Like the muscle was all like soft, necrotic and Ugh. dead. Yeah, like dead. Like the heart was, half of it was dead already. They were surprised he was alive at all. And he lived till he was 84. Holy shit. Yeah, he fly fished. He drank scotch every day. He was a big fucking Irish gin blossom. Like he was fucking <laughs> white hair, red face, you know. <laughs> He's a strong Marine Corps guy. or Army? Uh, Army. All my uh, my uncles and father were all Army Korea. Huh. And they Gnarly. Have, they, it's the Forgotten War. They uh, So I remember Vietnam. I was like five when it finally wrapped up, but I remember seeing it on TV because back then the news would actually show shit. Right. And when you saw like real, like, I remember seeing Vietnam on TV. I remember seeing some of the Boston race riots on TV. Like, the early 70s were kind of trippy. Like, I mean, I definitely remember. And my dad did not want me to join the military. I'm sorry if there's anyone out there that thinks he he just... They did Korea. He joined the military because at the time, they were drafting everybody. 
Right. And if you got drafted, you did four years. And if you enlisted, you did two. So he enlisted on purpose to try to get the shorter swing. Korea was fucking gnarly. A lot of people don't know that. It, they call it the Forgotten War because Korea happened and then they immediately transitioned to Vietnam. And Vietnam just got the publicity. But fucking what people don't know about Korea is that it is fucking frozen for a good majority of the time. Like there's uh, the Chosen Reservoir. So one of the major battles. I know all this from being in the Marine Corps and they teach you about it. So there's Inchon, the Chosen Reservoir, where like, Chesty Puller and all his Marines were fucking surrounded and they called it the frozen chosen and like some of the gnarly, they didn't have cold weather gear. And so oh people were dying of frostbite and then the fucking like they, at some points they were stacking bodies like dead bodies to barricade themselves against the fucking enemy. That was nonstop incoming. Korea was a fucking gnarly war and people yeah. don't know about that. So my uncle Larry, he had like two purple hearts had been shot a couple of times and, uh, you know, he, he never talked about it. Like, they never talked about it. My uncle and my dad. My dad was lucky because he could type. Um, I kept him out of combat. Can you imagine that? Being able to type physically kept him out of combat. He had to run, like, supplies out of Germany to get things going because of his clerical skills. Which, So, between my uncle and my dad talking about it, it was not like... And then, when we were little, he had his footlocker in the basement. In New Jersey, and there was a M1 Garand in there. Like Fuck. A literal, like, the machine gun. One day he saw that we had found it and were playing with it, and that was it. The whole thing was gone the next day. Like, oh, wow. Like, Fuck. it was a real gun. Like, there was a difference between toy guns and real guns, and you could tell. Like, it was a trip. I'll never forget that. Damn it. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. But, no, I did not do any Marine or military service. I played a lot of ball. Like, I can relate a lot to Big Kev's kind of story. Um, my my playing days kind of got ruined by the accident with everything else, you know. I just kind of, like, I had a lot of, you know, so. Man, you really you really have listened to every episode. I, I, I started at one, and I haven't listened to them all. I'm at, like, 49, and I'm halfway through 49, which has been hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'm at just where Travis Melville is talking about reviving somebody. <laughs> and it, I was crying, laughing. The episodes, I think, are fantastic. And they go from, uh, like, I can hear people, like, breaking up to being so funny. Like, it's hilarious to some amount of seriousness. And what's really cool is I can hear the love you guys have for each other and friendship is, like, I don't like I don't like Graf at all. I don't like Rafa <laughs> at all. It, it's pretty obvious that you guys are so tight that it's kind of cool, and I just uh, I like it, and I like that you ride, and I needed more <laughs> natural bonding moment between Graf and Rafa. <sighs> oh man, oh god! <laughs> but I really needed to find people to ride with because riding alone, it's okay. I mean, but after a while, these group rides. I mean, sometimes I'm like, shit, when we're going 115, allegedly. <laughs> I, I'm like, damn. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, if, allegedly. Are you going to come crush some miles with us this year? I will try to. I cannot guarantee that I will. I will uh, argue for it and see. I'm going to come the 18th. Do you think a, she'll listen to this? Um, yes, she will. So. Well, we just want to thank you for lending us your husband. He's fucking awesome. And we would love to meet you too. Yeah. Pete's wife. Thanks. <laughs> What's your favorite episode so far? If you had to pick one. 
He's like, this one? No. <laughs> Fuck the I, rest. I, I was very intimidated. And very intimidated to come here. I think Dildos and Dinas is probably the funniest story I have ever heard in probably my life almost. I swear that story. I got to get you in front of Damien and Stefan. So Damien and Stefan are best friends. Like, they're, they're more than that. They're like brothers. They, seriously, since Stefan ran away off the boat that he was his dad lived on, he lived with Damien. So that short, stocky guy—that's yeah, yeah. his road dog. They're like inseparable, and the stories they have, the the smuggling high-end dildos is like a drop in the fucking bucket. Oh my god! From some of the shit I've heard them say, I seen I seen fucking Stefan slap a Jamaican dude in the face with a fucking sponge. <laughs> I For mean, what reason? Nobody even knows. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. And even your own stories are like you. Your story about being. Cr- I'm a Christian, all drunk oh, yeah. out of my <laughs> Dude, I was dying laughing. I was thought that was so funny. There were so many episodes that are so good, but I still am catching up. I'm looking forward to hearing Shana's episode, which was 52. Yep. I thought Papa Juan's first one was really like... Oh, it's he's lived three, three working on four lives. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when I hear a story like that, it's like, dude, I've done nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you know, I've made my first million at 19, and then I was, a, you know, it's like, so I feel really lucky, though. I mean, my wife is I dead. masturbated six times yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Papa Juan. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll give my wife credit. She definitely has saved my life twice, at least, right, I'd right. say. And, uh. You know, I, I'm very lucky. I feel very lucky, and uh, I'm looking forward to riding with you guys Sunday for the 18th. I, I'm sorry I missed the other day with the uh, I my old peepers. I didn't even see the kickstands up. I didn't even know it was a ride. I knew it was the, the, the fundraiser, but I missed it. Oh, you're mm-hmm. good? Yeah, I got stuck in the fucking mall of all places. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to miss this one because I'm going to Fort Worth. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to Dallas this weekend. So, are you guys riding to the Fast Life Garage, or are y'all flying to that? I'm all right. So, uh, I got invited to be on it, so I'm going to go on it this weekend. Oh, that's where you're going. I'm going to do a show on Saturday, but Sunday, Jace's he and uh, I, I invited him and his crew to come to my show, and he was like, "Yeah, um, I'm going to be in Austin, but do you want to come on the podcast?" And I was like, "Like, what the fuck?" Like, and I'm super intimidated to go on that show. All right, good. So it's. It's a normal feeling. It's a normal man. feeling. It's a normal feeling. I'm I'm terrified because more important, like it's different when like I don't know what he's gonna ask me because I'm I feel like we're gonna get into some recovery stuff, but then we're also gonna get into some LFG stuff and then maybe some like riding stuff and then like I don't know what the fuck to expect. So, but this is the thing about me that I do know is so you're in an emo night, eh? Yeah, that's what that was what I was hoping. I was I'm doing disco. So yeah. I'm doing the disco night, and I was hoping to bring them there so they could be like, what the fuck was last night, dude? What the fuck? Just just do, uh, instead of dildos and diners, just do butt plugs and diners. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're in the, if, well, fuck. Nobody will hear this by the time the fucking show comes out, but the, the show's almost sold out. There's only fucking 100 tickets left. I think it's great what you're doing. I think it's great what all you guys are doing. I, I, I don't work for myself, and I wish I did sometimes. I never was comfortable with that, but I know how hard it is, but I respect that for sure. You it's know. fucking dope. You got time. Bro, like, like I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't understand what I was so scared about. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, like, yeah, I have to grind a lot more than, like, the normal person that works, like, a nine-to-five. Like, I got to hustle a lot more, like, but... 
the hustle and the effort it shows, bro. Yeah, and it's, it's for you. It shows, and like the the money you make is like it's your shit. Like you don't have to worry about somebody else telling you some shit. Like it's yeah, out of you. I, know? I definitely respect that. Yeah, I for me it's I don't know, I I don't know how do I articulate this. It's I hate working for somebody else and making somebody else's dream a reality so much that I'm willing to fucking endure the suck of, of starting a fucking your own business that i'm just willing to stay in the trenches for as long as it fucking takes yeah because i don't ever want to go work for somebody again yeah it's yeah. terrifying I, yeah. I just hope one day that i am able to play out again with maybe like a blues band or something in a small club you know once a month or something like you know i did you still jam i still jammed here i played from 2000 to 2002 out at like adams ave you know and like the old sod and uh rosie o'grady's played a couple nice i know exactly across the streets uh yeah rosie's a chicago bar so we played that i played there a few times i played out i know a few people but it was just not working right with the recovery and maybe one day I can handle it. Like, I don't know if I could move back to New Orleans even now, but I, I don't want to test it. So it still is hard some days, you know. The biggest thing I, I'm glad kind of, you know, I just worry how I would handle any kind of real tragedy right now, which is I hope I would be able to handle it. But to this day, I still have to watch myself. I think everybody should. It's not. It never gets. It gets easier, but it's always like lingering. You know, so like I think I think it's it's hard. Like I don't know. I I think this is where Rafa has to properly word his shit. So I I think it's hard for someone to stop drinking and stop partying when they're trying to do it on their own. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're because it's. The way it's the whole recovery thing is designed, especially when you talk about being sober, is um like it's a it, you're not you're not supposed to do it by yourself. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So it's like it's kind of hard for someone to try to do some shit on them by themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and like like, like I, the herd yeah. like the herd is like a real thing. It's yeah. like a for real, for real thing. Like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Graf. That's I w- I, that's why I like the podcast, just to right. listen to him makes me want to be sober. Exactly. So it's Thank like, you. it's a group, it's a group effort. You know what I'm saying? It's not just, and like, you're not, you're not alone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, full yeah. circle to that. So, like, so it's yeah. when you do face yeah. that tragedy, homie, you got our numbers. Call yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, if I, I just don't want to, but I mean, I'm saying that's how I would, yeah, that's what I would have to do. And, uh. Like, they were, you guys were talking about somebody who's like, hey, you want a drink? Like, at a party or something, the guy constantly does it. I think that's, like, the fucking most asshole thing ever. Like, Dustin said, one day I'm just going to fucking slap him. I'd, after he slaps him, I'm going to laugh if I was there. <laughs> right, I'd right. be like, you've been asking for that, like, for a long time, dude. Right. It's not something to fucking joke on, bro, you know? It, yeah. They don't know what you're going through. And, t- oh, you want a drink? Nah, bro, I don't yeah. want a fucking drink. Yeah. You want to end up at a fucking Mexican whorehouse in twenty hours, dude? <laughs> yeah, you know that happened to me at fucking. That was me. It happened to me at Sturgis this year. Yeah, like bro, do it again, and we're gonna have a fucking problem. Yeah, see, they yeah, fucking yeah. don't get it. And like one day when that, I mean, I, I think that's really, I, I really appreciate that about the group in general. Right, right. 
Like, like I'm sober. I'm not a lame homie. Yeah. My, like, like my homie said, uh, Mike Morrison, he said, I got clean. I didn't get soft. There you go. You know? Yeah, there you go. I ain't the hardest motherfucker in the yard, but I can take a good ass whooping. I just hope you can deliver. Yeah. Yeah, I've been knocked out. I've been knocked out by bigger homies. <laughs> well, Rafa, what's up, G? You got any parting words for our boy, Pete? Hey, man, you can't do it alone, homie. Like I know you've been fighting it tooth and nail and all this and that, but you know they got a spot for you. There's rooms. There's all different types of shit you could do, man. You know, stay in the solution. Um, we're all here. Um, we ain't going nowhere. So I don't know, man. More power to you, and I wish you the best. Thank you. I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am for the dedication that you have for us. Because, like, we have a – there's a select few, like, five, ten people that just fucking fire me up that I'm like – when I'm feeling like, am I – what am I fucking doing with myself? And then I'll I'll see that I got a message from you, and I'm like, this dude fucking – this dude fucking gets it. Like, he gets why I'm doing this and, like, pushes me to fucking keep going, man. Your fucking love and support is very, very appreciated here. We see you every fucking event, right. whether it's for five minutes or the whole fucking thing. You always make an effort. Thank you. I, I mean, I try to go. I mean, I hopefully we'll get to know people better, too. It's like, you know, when you don't know nobody, it's kind of awkward at first. But I feel like I'm getting to know people now, and it's been really cool. And I, I definitely am going to continue to go. I'm looking forward to the 18th. Get out here. Come on, we're doing. I know you got some parting words for our boy. Oh yeah, I do. For sure. Yeah. Well, now that you have an episode, people are gonna be like, "Yo, are you fucking Pete?" <laughs> oh, I'm up. You're up. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, check it out. First of all, thanks for coming all the way out here to come do that. This for us, you know, you're you're taking time out of your day. So anytime anybody comes and does our podcast, man, I really want to show my appreciation. Secondly, your stories are fucking awesome. And you've honestly, man, from day one, you supported us. And uh, we we just really appreciate people like you because without you, LFG would not even fucking exist. Mm-hmm. And you are a fucking huge factor why we do exist. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. Hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas. And um, I don't have a resentment towards you anymore. My back no longer fucking hurts, but for two days I was cursing the fuck out of you because my back was hurting and I thought I was dying. So if you don't know, I'm a hypochondriac. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, man, you're fucking great. You're always on the rides. Um, You know, just fucking keep doing you, boo-boo. Thanks. Keep doing you, boo boo. <laughs> Hold on, I'm a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this fucking, fucking song you had requested. Said, Keep doing you, boo boo. Boo boo. Dustin's been on the move, moving and grooving. He's got like a family event. He's got to go yeah, to. Yeah, man. All right. Oh, yeah. Got that freshy, homie. Woo. What? What was the song? Let's see, Ghosts along the Damn, look at them cakes, though. Hey. Yeah. All right, so Dustin's like working right now. What the fuck? Look at that. Boom. These are friends of mine. By down? Yeah. I know these, most of these cats. Not the It's been another episode of the LG 1904 show. Holy shit. He put on a fucking banger, dog. God damn, Pete! <laughs> Woo! I'm gonna ride my motorcycle tonight now because of this song. <laughs> <laughs>
Graph is gay as fuck. Rafa Tongues Dudes Buttholes. Tongues Buttholes. <laughs> I still won. <laughs>